0: Hi everyone, and thanks for joining us again for the August 9th edition of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. My name is Taylor Edwards, and I'm a summer intern for the Angus Beef Bulletin. Today I'm going to read to you the top four stories from this week's edition. Our first story comes from the front page and is called Study Uses Gene Prediction Tool to Select Premium Grade Angus Herds. Study shows genomic prediction tool can help select best-in-class commercial cattle for superior breeding characteristics by Courtney Perrette, University of Missouri. Ranches across the Show Me state manage approximately 2 million cows, a significant number of which are Angus. In a new study, University of Missouri researcher Jared Decker and Thompson Research Farm personnel tested a group of commercial Angus cows using a genomic prediction tool called Zoetis gene max advantage to investigate the ability of the test to predict their calves' performance and profitability. GeneMax Advantage was created through a collaboration between Angus Genetics Incorporated, Certified Angus Beef, and Zoetis. It is intended for use in commercial females whose genetics are 75% or greater Black Angus, such as an Angus sire daughter of a half-blood Angus cow. The DNA profile delivers three economic index scores. Cow Advantage Ranking females for the combined genetic merit for heifer pregnancy, calving ease maternal, and direct, direct and maternal weaning weight, docility, foot soundness, as well as associated costs of production due to differences in mature cow size and milk production, while also accounting for variation in coal cow value. Feeder Advantage Ranking females for net returns from a combined genetic merit transmitted to progeny for post-weaning gain, Carcass weight and grade. USDA quality and yield grades are predicted by component traits and costs of gain due to genetic differences in dry matter intake and associated feed to grain. Total advantage. Predicting differences in net returns for combined genetic merit across economically relevant traits captured in the cow and feeder advantage indexes. As such, this is one of the most simple and comprehensive prediction of system-wide production efficiency upon which to primarily base selection and breeding decisions. While testing a sample of commercial Angus females and their offspring at MU's Thompson Research Center, Decker found significant relationships between the cow's genetic merit based on the genomic profile and the performance of their calves. For the study, researchers focused on specific traits such as weaning and carcass weight, marbling, fat, and ribeye area. In prioritizing the use of this technology, Thompson Research Farm recently harvested a set of 35 steers, 70% of which graded prime, says Decker, Wardak chair in genetics in the College of Agriculture, Food, and Natural Resources. Compared to the industry, which grades prime at a rate of 6%, this is really excellent. Decker says this success stems from the technology that makes genomic predictions possible. In practice, DNA testing allows cattlemen to select better cows and refine the herd with good genetics on top of good management. It's a goal of mine to help producers innovate in ways that get them closer to harnessing a competitive advantage in this market, Degger says. I want to help them adopt new technologies like DNA testing and genomic prediction. For a while now, we've had historical data on the performance of calves in terms of growth and carcass performance. So a key goal of this study was to demonstrate to farmers, ranchers, extension professionals, veterinarians, and academics that this technology does in fact work. There is a significant relationship between calf performance and the cow's genetic merit. Although genomic prediction has a legacy of success in seed stock cattle, purebred animals with documented pedigrees, this study shows it can work in a sample of commercial cattle, Decker says. Genomic prediction tools allow farmers to go from not knowing the pedigree or any of the animal's performance data to taking a DNA sample and receiving a very accurate prediction as to the heifer's genetic merit, says Decker, explaining that this technology opens doors for commercial producers to be more aggressive in selecting the right females to go back to the herd. This gives farmers a chance to make informed decisions that enhance sustainable profitability. The genomic prediction technology provides operations large and small the means to document superior genetic merit of a calf crop, Decker says. The results can help producers make informed decisions on retaining ownership of cattle through the feedlot or assist in marketing calves to their full value. Farmers and ranchers really value this lifestyle. They value the family tradition, Decker says. That family tradition gives them the grit and the fortitude to deal with really challenging circumstances like drought or low prices, or whatever the present big challenge is. So helping them think strategically about how to create the best calf crop is something that will serve them and keep those family farms profitable. Evaluation of Zoetis GeneMax Advantage Genomic Predictions and Commercial Bos Taurus cattle was published in Livestock Science. As an editor's note, Courtney Perret is a strategic communications specialist and editorial bureau chief for the MU News Bureau, which provided this article. The next story I'm going to read for y'all today is from our management section and is called Is That Corn Crop Worth More as Silage or Grain? As weather issues cause concern about corn yields and reduced forage supplies, farmers evaluate options. By Aaron Berger and Galen Erickson, University of Nebraska Extension. Ongoing dry and drought conditions in many parts of the state are supporting hay and forage prices as we look toward the fall. Perennial dryland hay production in many parts of Nebraska has been less than average. Forage production on rangeland and pasture in central and eastern Nebraska is, in many situations, significantly less than average. This diminished production is going to result in less fall and winter grazing. Nationally, the stocks of corn and the current crop in much of the corn belt are estimated to be adequate to support December corn futures trading near $5.50 per bushel. With harvested forage supplies being tight in much of Nebraska, harvesting corn for silage may be a good option this year, especially with fields that are drought-stressed. However, having the experience and facilities to put up silage is an important consideration. When evaluating whether to harvest a field for silage or grain, the issue of how to price and value the corn is often a point of uncertainty and is subject to variability. Corn silage is usually priced at one of three points, standing in the field packed in the silo, and delivered in the bunk. Corn silage standing in the field. University of Nebraska-Lincoln Research has shown that corn silage price standing in the field before harvest should be valued at 7.65 times the price per bushel of corn, where a ton of corn silage is harvested at 60-65% to 65% moisture. This multiplier value is consistent regardless of corn price. With the historic basis for corn, it is estimated corn will be near $5 per bushel at harvest in Nebraska. Corn at $5 per bushel times 7 65 is equal to $38.25 per ton in the field. This accounts for not having to combine or haul grain to market, but also should be harvest corn price, as we add storage costs to silage. Corn price also increases throughout the year due to storage, at least on average across many years of data corn silage packed in a silo. Harvest, hauling, and packing expenses can vary. The 2022 Nebraska Farm Custom Rates publication showed an average custom rate of $13.50 per ton. $38.25 per ton plus $13.50 per ton for harvesting, hauling, and packing equals $51.75 per ton in the pile. When $3 per ton is added for storage expense, the price per ton is $54.75. Corn silage delivered in the bunk. The ensiling process will cause shrink and dry matter loss from 10% to 20% or more when silage is packed into the silo until it is removed to be fed. With 10% dry matter shrink, the value of silage delivered to the bunk would be $60.38 per ton. If the shrink loss is 20%, then the value of silage would be $68.44 per ton. Excellent information is available on the beef.unl.edu website illustrating the effects of covering, packing, and other management factors to decrease silage shrink. Comparing corn silage under current market conditions to other feed resources can be helpful in evaluating whether to harvest a field for silage or as grain. When comparing nutrients and feeds to one another, they should be compared on a price per pound on a dry matter basis consumed by the cattle. This takes into account all waste, loss, and expense. There are examples included in this article that are compared to one another on a price per pound of total digestible nutrients on a dry matter basis delivered to the bunk. There are several factors to consider when evaluating whether to harvest corn for grain or for silage. Both methods of harvest have advantages and disadvantages depending upon an operation's goals and objectives. Tight forage supplies in many parts of Nebraska combined with current corn market conditions may heighten the attractiveness of harvesting corn for silage this year as a forage source. For more information on harvesting, storing, and feeding corn silage, see the video presentations from the Silage for Beef Cattle Conferences at the beef.unl.edu website. The nutrient or fertilizer value of manure from cattle fed on corn silage should be taken into account in determining the value of corn silage. In operations where the nutrient value for manure is utilized with cropping systems, this manure value should be credited back against the cost of the corn silage. An article in the Progressive Forage magazine titled, Silage Pricing, Did You Account for the Manure?, highlights this topic. Drought Stressed Corn for Silage Harvesting drought-stressed corn silage may be an option to savage the corn and also produce needed forage. Producers considering harvesting drought-stressed corn should also evaluate the effects of doing so on future crop production. In a July 2017 issue of Crop Watch, Bob Klein addresses this topic in Should You Hay or Cut Silage from Drought-Damaged Cornfields? The quality of drought-stressed corn silage can vary but is usually 85 to 95% the energy value of regular corn silage. A good measure to consider is doing a starch analysis. If you divide the starch percent in corn silage by 0.70, that gives you an indication of the grain content in silage, which may be important in a drought stressed or damaged silage. With drought stressed corn, caution should be used in harvesting if high nitrates are present, and siling can reduce nitrates by forty to sixty percent. Nitrates accumulate at the bottom of the stalk, so rising the cutting height can affect final nitrate concentration in silages as well as yield. For more information on feeding and pricing drought-damaged corn silage, please see the article, Options for Drought-Damaged Cornfields, and the Neb Guide to Use Pricing of Drought-Stressed Corn. Both resources can be found at a link included in this article in the extra. As an editor's note, Aaron Berger is a Nebraska Extension beef educator and Galen Erickson is a Nebraska Extension beef feedlot specialist. Listen to a discussion of the content in this article on this episode of the Beef Watch podcast that is linked in the article. Be sure to check out this article and our others in the management section in this edition of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. Our next article is going to come from the health and nutrition section and is called Whole Cottonseed Can Be an Option for Beef Cattle. How to Use Cottonseed in Feedlot and Cow-Calf Rations by Heather Smith Thomas Cottonseed has been fed to cattle a long time, yet in recent years, there's been a renewed interest in this highly nutritious byproduct of the cotton industry. According to Elisa Ogden, a member of the Cotton Board who farms and ranches in southeastern New Mexico, that's no accident. Some of us on the cotton board realized beef cattle were not being targeted as consumers of whole cottonseed. So the Cottonseed Beef Advisory Council was formed, she explains. Whole cottonseed had been fed to dairy cattle for years because it increases production of butterfat and has other benefits, but beef cattle had never been targeted. A rancher and cotton farmer, Ogden's family has utilized whole cottonseed to feed weaned calves and yearlings for decades. I knew the benefits of cottonseed, The oil and protein, she says. One of the goals of the council was to educate nutritionists who work with feed yards and dispel misconceptions about whole use of cottonseed with beef cattle. Blake Wilson, another council member and associate professor at Oklahoma State University, specializes in beef cattle nutrition. Recently, Wilson has conducted several research projects with whole cottonseed in feedlot and cow-calf operations. There are many potential benefits as a supplement or in a ration for beef cattle, he says. The seed, left over after cotton has been harvested for fiber, contains some residual lint or fiber which helps give whole cottonseed its unique composition as a feedstuff for livestock. Old school terminology described whole cottonseed as a triple 20 feed, meaning it was approximately 20% fat, 20% protein, and 20% fiber. Wilson explains, noting all three are important to a beef cow or feedlot animal. Cottonseed is unique compared to other feeds in that it is very high in those three characteristics. No other feed has that same nutritional profile. There's a lot of research on cottonseed early on, but not much new has been conducted in the past 25 years. Interest picked up again about the same time the Cottonseed Beef Advisory Council was formed. This renewed interest is fueled as dynamics within the feed industry have changed, partly due to COVID, but also with fluctuations in supply of other feedstuffs, says Wilson. An Ingredient in Feedlot Diets When feeding a total mixed ration in a feedlot, whole cottonseed can be included as 15-20% to of that mix, he says. It can replace protein, fat, and fiber from other ingredients in a ration with no detriment to performance or in some cases improved performance compared to the ingredients it replaces. In situations where standard ingredients become too expensive or harder to come by, whole cotton seed might be a viable alternative, he notes. It may not make sense in every ration or for every feedlot operation, but it gives another option for those valuable nutrients. Supplementing cattle on pasture. It can also be an effective supplement for beef cattle on pasture, says Wilson. Here at OSU, we've been comparing whole cottonseed to what should be a traditional winter supplement for cattle, a 20% breeder cube. For ranchers who use a supplement on weathered mature pasture or feed medium or low-quality hay, whole cottonseed may be a great alternative. Wilson is comparing differences in animal performance and rebreeding between various supplements and whole cottonseed to find out how good it substitutes. Ogden's family usually fed cottonseed to calves being backgrounded so it could be fed in bunks. Feeding cottonseed to cows on range pastures creates waste as they can't pick all of it up off the ground. The old-style cottonseed cake can be eaten off the ground. The cows flourished on that product because the mill ground up whole cottonseed and put it in with the oil to make the cake pellets, she explains. When we had to change to a different style pellet that was grain-based rather than cottonseed-based, cows would not eat it. If a person needs to feed cake, if you can... Get the old style with cottonseed in it. Cows do much better on that. It's easier for a processor to make the other kind of pellets, however. Wilson says whole cottonseed makes an ideal receiving diet for young or stressed calves, partly because it does contain a little roughage, but it's also a good source of energy. But where that energy is coming from is different compared to cereal grain. You can provide the nutrients and energy the animal needs, but the mechanism for delivering it is different. This influences what's happening in the rumen, he says. Acidosis can be an issue when adapting cattle to high-grain feedlot diets. If you can, get more energy into cattle while feeding less starch. You have a lot of benefits. As an editor's note, Heather Smith Thomas is a freelance writer and cattlewoman from Idaho. This story can be found on angusbeefbulletin.com forward slash extra along with those that accompany it in our health and nutrition section. The final story I'm going to read to you today comes from the marketing section and is called Marketing Coal Cows. This was also written by Heather Smith Thomas. Part of every rancher's annual income is derived from coal cows. A certain number of older cows or poor-producing cows are sold to make room for younger or better females. When expenses go up or feed supplies are short, producers often sell a few more cows or heifers to generate enough income to pay the bills and to reduce the number of mouths to feed. How and when those animals are marketed can make a difference in terms of income received. There's a seasonality to coal cow prices, says David Anderson, professor and extension economist at Texas A&M University. We see lowest prices in the fall because the majority of ranchers calve in the spring and wean in the fall, so the market is flooded with coal cows. One strategy, especially in regions where minimal hay feeding is necessary over winter, is holding those cows to take advantage of the increase in price in the spring of the next year. If producers have the pasture or feed to carry them through the winter, those cows will be worth enough more in the spring to pay for that feed, particularly if a person can add weight to those cows. That may not work, however, where weather is cold and feed is short and or expensive. Another strategy is culling earlier, before prices drop. A rancher can wean calves a bit earlier to sell in August or September. This may depend on when we calve, wean, or preg check, says Anderson. It may also depend on when ranchers round up cattle if they're on range allotments. Weaning early might work for ranchers in some parts of the country, but not everywhere. We are lucky currently because coal cow prices have stayed high. There's a big demand for hamburger beef. With inflation and most folks on a budget, steak prices are down, but ground beef has stayed high, he says. It's still cheaper per pound, and in this country, people really like ground beef. This helps our coal cow market and helps producers who have to make drought-forced culling decisions, says Anderson. There are various ways to market those cows, depending on whether you're close to an auction yard or can sell them on the rail. If you're close enough to sell direct to a kill plant, the net price is usually better, he says. If you haul them yourself, you pay transport costs, but sometimes it pays if you have enough coal cows to make a load. It's always more cost-effective to take a load rather than a handful of cows, especially with high fuel costs. The cow market is variable from one year to the next, and producers need to be flexible and innovative, Anderson says. If you want to overwinter cows, but your feed resources are short, maybe there's an alternative feed that would pencil out to buy. In some areas, you may have access to byproducts from food processing, like potatoes or gin trash in cotton country, he says. There might be something you could economically feed cows until prices rebound if you can afford the transport costs to get the feed to your cows. Consider the risk of keeping those cows, especially an older cow that might not make it through winter or might become lamer from arthritis and cold weather, Anderson says. It depends on the reasons you're culling those cows to begin with. Sometimes a lower price can't be avoided, says Anderson, but in most instances, if we can find an alternative that pencils out, it's worth the wait for high prices to return. There are ways to squeeze a few more dollars from cows, such as selling late calving cows to someone who calves later in the year. Every year is different, however, and calling decisions may hinge on various factors. For the folks who are being forced to sell, we're lucky that coal cow prices are up, Anderson says. And with that, thanks for joining us for the August 9th edition of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. You can find these stories and the others in this edition at angusbeefbulletin.com forward slash extra. Thanks again, and look forward to seeing you in the next edition.